My guest in this conversation is PhD candidate Anders Wallace. Anders and I met, um, I think, four or five years ago at a, a dating workshop. Um, we were both attendees, we were both friends with um, the person putting on the workshop, and he and I met, and he happened to be doing his dissertation at the time on uh, subcultures, he's, he's an anthropologist, on the subculture of the dating advice world, or what some would call the pickup community, um, and some other offshoots of that. And uh, he, was, he actually um, put me in his dissertation as one of his uh, case studies for someone going through a journey in this uh, male subculture of trying to get better with women as a mode of self-improvement. And it was really interesting reconnecting with him now and, and learning about his uh, research, what he's come up with, and also the general speak about masculinity, because essentially what he was doing was um, putting a sociological, anthropological lens on this subculture of men, trying to become better men. And even though pickup artistry and dating coaching might have some negative connotations, he does hit on some pretty core topics within masculinity, uh, the insecurities men nowadays face, what it means to be a man, um, the stigmas around becoming better with men, and the role of connecting with women and dating and sex in this male identity. So I really enjoyed this conversation, and I greatly encourage you to check out his work. It should be publishable in the near future. Um, he's been doing some great stuff. So enjoy this conversation. Uh, yeah, so, so we met, what was it, three years ago? Yeah, I want to say like that, four years ago. three and a half. I think it's, it's about three yeah, and a half. Yeah, we met at the 420, uh, 420 Club, 420. Um, I guess it was like an opposition in Occupy Wall Street offshoot with our mutual friend Harrison. Um, and he, they were doing a dating panel and we met there. And then you and I connected over some of my events. And uh, you've been yeah. researching men's seduction communities for, I guess, the whole time, four years? No, really just that year. It was 12 months of fieldwork research. Okay. So mm -hmm. Essentially, that was 12 months of research then for the past, you know, three years. I've been doing different stuff, but, you know, part of that, a big part of that has been writing up, you know, first like transcribing, then collecting and kind of synthesizing the data and then writing it up in the shape of what is looking like 350 pages of Whoa. dissertation. So double spaced, but, you know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, this is really interesting because uh, anthropology is one of my interests. Like, that's what I, like, most of the pop science books I read are on that. And I've been in, obviously, the world of men's dating. I mean, that's why we connect in the first place. So I've actually been eager to hear more about what your actual conclusions were in your research is. So could you say a little bit, I guess, about how you got into this topic as a dissertation? Yeah. Wow. Where to start? I mean, as far as how I got into the dissertation, I mean, I feel like something I would say that would, you know, your listeners would relate to is that I find these areas, human relationships, intimacy, and sex, you know, these, these questions are just inherently fascinating on a human level. Um, but obviously, you know, for me, for someone to commit to doing this level of, you know, of a research project that takes mm -hmm. so much time, um, takes, takes a lot. For me, it's, um, I met a guy at a party. I don't know. I, I want to say in 2011. <laughs> That's you know, how every, every story starts, right? <laughs> okay. Exactly. There's like the what happened story and then there's the what it meant to me story. But mm -hmm. anyway, I met this guy at a party and I forget what we were talking about, but he got to saying about, you know, how he, he knew this ebook about how to text women to meet them up on dates. Mm -hmm. And I was really single. I'd broken up like six months prior and 
um, I was like, oh, wow, I really should get my dating life in shape. And so mm. when he said that, I mean, I forget what I thought, but I basically thought, wow, one, I can't believe there's a book about something so banal as texting. And two, I'm actually fascinated and would be curious, like what he rec- what the mm-hmm. book recommends to like, send flirty text messages. So I read this. Um, it was written by the um, Art of Charm guys. Do you know their work? Yeah, yeah. So like the Harbingers, Jordan Harbinger. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were previously known as Pick Up Podcast, but I got into the podcast where they interviewed cool. every show with an interview with a different coach. Yeah. And I was listening to this and I was fascinated. On the one hand, I enjoy, as a dude, as a, as a heterosexual guy, you know, I enjoyed the sense of being part of a conversation where men were talking about issues like, you know, sex and intimacy and what does it, you know, mean to be a man? Mm-hmm. All these things are really interesting and fun because mm-hmm. it's not always a conversation you can have out with your own friends. Right. Like you might be able with some friends, but to also hear this range of opinions, I was like, Oh, this is really cool. And then my second thought was like, wow, this is fascinating. And I wonder what the training actually looks like, you know, when you go into a seduction training field. Yeah. Like what yeah. do they do? What, what do they actually go through? What, a, what happens? So there was that cinematic appeal of the project. I just thought, you know, we all have our cultural references for like pickup artists. I mean, you can think of like, uh, have you ever seen Magnolia, that P.T. Anderson mm-hmm. movie? Yeah. T.J. Uh, Mack. <laughs> yeah. That's um, Tom Cruise's character, right? Respect yeah, the cock. Exactly. Yeah. It was like kind of absurd and over the top, but you know. But that's uh, actually based on Ross Jeffries, I believe. So I was told, yeah, yeah so I was told. Um, so in that way, I saw this as like a cinematic thing in my mind's eye. And mm-hmm. I just thought, wow, someone should do this project. And then I thought, fuck it, I'll do this project. Um, yeah. So, you know, and then, and then there's other reasons as to like my own personal upbringing and reasons why it appealed to me uh, both as an intellectual interest and just personally. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you wanted to go into that or not, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, one thing that you brought up, because I, I am curious about it, your opinion, because uh, like pickup artists, just, just saying that word, like it brings up a lot of associations and culture. And, you know, especially nowadays with a lot of the cultural conversation around gender and consent and red pill, men's rights, all that stuff. Like in your research, what was, did you draw any conclusions or what was your take on, I guess, the hate or both against the pickup world and then also within it? Did that come across a lot? Yeah. The, the hate, the hate, you know, against pickup artists on a cultural level, but you're saying also those pickup artists who hate women. Yeah. That- I mean, cause that's, that's, that's the assumption, right? When someone thinks shits on them, they think, Oh, these are all like manipulative, which I mean, I, I don't believe is true, but of course that exists in every group. Yeah. I mean, that is a really deep question and, and a complex question really to, to mm-hmm. answer. I would say that as a social scientist, we debate these kinds of underlying questions in different schools of like, you could bring up psychoanalysis, psychoanalytic theories, why these guys are doing what they do. You could say, no, it's more about, you know, gender roles are changing and transformations and culture and gender or, you know, economic roles. The breadwinner is gone. And so what do men have now in the post-financial crisis era to prove themselves? Um, There's a lot of so I'm trying to say is, is there's a lot of ways that you could go at answering that question. Um, but to your point about hate. Um, yeah. So there's definitely the mainstream stigma of like the pickup artist being, I don't know what, like 
gaudy and predatorial and yeah yeah like like a man- manipulative um mm-hmm. so so i think that i mean and you probably feel i don't know how you feel but the pickup era has somewhat passed yeah it's do guys really do pick up that much anymore? It seems um, like I think it still exists. I mean, I, I think in the industry, people call it game 1.0. It's like the mystery method yeah. level where like there's all these acronyms and they're kind of like nerdy terms. And I think that's where a lot of the, the stigma comes from, like the idea of negging and peacocking. All these terms have become mainstream, but most people don't really know what it means. They just know this is some evil pickup thing or they think that's the case. But most, yeah. like, most pickup coaches don't call themselves pickup coaches. They call themselves something else now. Yeah, yeah. There's so much bad press over the term, and um, and you know a lot of it is is deserved in terms of like the objectification Mm -hmm. that you get if you read like a pickup ebook or or whatever used to be common uh, quite a bit. But um, I think that a lot of these, I think that uh, so so hate like the hating issue. Um, Wow. Well, I mean, to get right down to it, from the guys perspective and i'll be curious what you think about this but you know i think a lot of guys have a lot of repressed you know shame and that manifests through their own individual life whether it's through you know rejections getting rejected sexually by women which you know let's be honest no one likes to be rejected it hurts Mm -hmm. um but depending on what kind of life you're living in and what place you're coming from that can really be traumatic for some guys especially when they're young um, to all kinds of other things we could consider bullying, you know, like harassment that guys, guys uh, have, you know, experienced often when they're younger. Um, so, so, or from family influences, like mm-hmm. this feeling of, of sexual shame or inadequacy or anger, right? Feeling like a rejection is more like, not so much as like, oh, it didn't work out. Like, ah, whatever, you know, try the next, try to ask the next girl or woman. Um, but rather more like, oh, I, it's a rejection. I, oh, I don't deserve sex or, oh, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm not good enough for, for sex or for, for finding someone to yeah. hook up or whatever, have a girlfriend with. And so I and think the there's a lot turns of to anger, like yeah, Yoda's, exactly. Yoda's yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So they anger misinterpret it. Yeah. Cause it's an emotional reaction that also that our it's one that our culture doesn't really prepare guys to handle very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, cultural models of masculinity are a lot about being stoic, being um, unflappable, being mm-hmm. emotionally self-controlled and kind of dominant in different ways. So for guys who think that that's all they can be, then that, experience of rejection can be really rough i think if they don't have yeah. a bigger framework and context yeah i think the irony is and i don't know if this came up in your research at all but um i think you know culturally we're flipping to the other side like the stoic 1950s man is almost a caricature now but i think that's what a lot of guys need now to be fair like i think like a lot of the guys i coach and come across are now being too soft because they grew up you know they wanted to be feminist they want to be really good to women and now they're super duper soft and women aren't attracted to them because they need to be a little hard. <laughs> they need a little, I mean, I think stoicism, there's a misconception about it on that, like, you're not feeling. But the stoic guy, like the Marlon Brando type, he's feeling stuff. He's just so able to handle his emotions that he doesn't, like, you know, spaz out <laughs> over little things. No, I totally, So you see a lot of guys spazzing out <laughs> now over everything. Well, it's a really nuanced thing. Like, when you bring up, a, an, like, Brando or when you, when you relate that stoic 
uh, notion to, to the men, the actors like Brando who were stoic actors, they were really skilled and emotionally nuanced. So it, it's mm. not the same thing like you're saying, I, I yeah. agree. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I just wanna say on the, the pickup things, like I find that I, I moved away from traditional pickup a long time ago because I felt it was damaging to me. Like it was, it was too in my head. I, I did start objectifying women and I didn't like, it actually I think led to like further disconnection from my feelings. So I went a very soft route as, as you know. Um, but now I find that I'm one of the few guys who still talk about pickup in a positive light, but I don't have the, the, the charge about it. I actually just, I think the only thing misogynistic about pickup is the fact that they take a very intellectual stance on social interaction. And when you're yeah. quantifying your interactions, of course you're gonna start seeing people as objects, which is not a good thing, but it's not, it's not hateful on purpose. And there's very few yeah. guys I think that are on purpose misogynists. I mean, I tend to agree. I think, um, I think it can exploit some guys who have already, yeah, you might yeah. say, misogynistic tendencies, then that can really throw fuel on the fire. I mean, if they can't take some of that with a grain of salt, then the language is really problematic. Um, potentially, like gamification, like you said, right. it's like numbers game or treating, treating your social life like a game is not just rough on other people, but as you say, it could be rough on yourself to, to, to see, to live your life that way. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get back to your research in a second. I have a few questions on that, but I, I'm just curious now. Um, did you come across incel at all? This you know, that's a pretty new thing. Um, and this is kind of two, two things to answer as so far as, no, not really. At the time I was doing the research, I was on some forums, um, mm -hmm. but they weren't, self-described incel forums. They were pickup forums, that kind of thing for my research. Uh, the incel thing, I want to say, really came out in mainstream consciousness with Elliot Roger, who in 2014 okay. killed some people. Um, and, then, and then you got the blog posts and the news of like, ooh, who are incels? And um, that's been a big thing lately because of the guy in Toronto. So I've been doing some catch-up work. Like, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I'm incorporating that in a big way into my research, but I am... Mm. I have a few paragraphs on it just relating it to the work because it's an important issue that obviously is racking up a significant body count at this point. So it's a little hmm. crazy and it's something I think people really want to understand. So I'm, I'm doing an effort to explain it uh, from my limited engagement with it. But honestly, man, those forums are depressing. <laughs> yeah. Like it's really hard to go on them and even spend time just lurking around. Yeah, I haven't been on a forum, but every little thing I see, it's just like, man, if this guy just got laid once with someone who actually cared about him, he'd probably drop all his shit, <laughs> you know? You never know. It could be. It could be. Mm -hmm. It's tough to say. I feel like uh, Alec Manasian or the guy who, the guy who in uh, Toronto ran over people with his van, there were reports he had autism or at least some degree on the spectrum of autism. And so um, I think it gets back to what we were saying as far as guys can come at this advice from a wide range of perspectives and it can be mm -hmm. pretty rough and dangerous potentially if the guy has pre-existing anger or, or mental issues that are exacerbated. If he's not able to tell the difference between humor or to take the useful and discard the bad and just mm -hmm. act out mm -hmm. um, and that there's no accounting what would happen from that. Yeah. Yeah, actually, incel is kind of like a failure at red pill stuff, right? Like, it's like, like oh, I, I can't even win at the game, so I'm opting out. Uh, so I guess it's not even really in the seduction community, although they seem to be tied 
Yeah. What's mm-hmm. interesting is from what I see, and again, this is from my limited research, so I wouldn't be on the record about this, is they also seem like incels have a lot of resentment against mainstream culture. There's a way in which, you know, you brought up the 1950s man. I get the sense that incels would wish to step in a time machine and be the 1950s man because there seems to be a way they say, oh, modern society is corrupt and consumerist. And while I think a lot of people would agree, um, they don't seem to have any better answer than just to kind of take a reactionary time travel machine. Yeah. Um, and not rather than kind of addressing, taking the good with the bad that I think, you know, women's liberation is good for men. So like yeah. women being free is good. So they, they don't seem to have any of that frame of reference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, back to your research though. So with the, you're focused on the seduction community. Um, do you mind sharing? Like, what was your thesis? Cause I guess there's so many angles you, I, someone could yeah. approach this. What, what were you getting at and what was your driving? force with it the gateway for me in terms of orienting myself to the project was this kind of paradox to me at least which is the sense that we have cultural narratives of rome and you know sexual Mm -hmm. intimacy the most common and typical script for that is you know the old it's it's like a cliche but it's like well you know you're intimate with someone when you're being yourself when you're expressing yourself and then you know, your soulmate or whatever. Oh, it just happens. And so you just, um, you, you're just being yourself ideally. Um, and then you convey that and someone else digs it and then you hook up or you couple up or whatever it is. And I was, I was fascinated by this sense that guys were learning skills, right. To Mm -hmm. hook up or to attract people and saying that, you know, on the one hand, maybe there's this game to be played, maybe social interactions follow patterns that you can learn and actually kind of perform in some ways, but then also that these guys were trying to make themselves into certain kinds of men, right? It's like you have this notion of inner game or with, I mean, you know, all this stuff like inner game and it's really self-help. It's saying they're trying to become more empowered dudes. Um, so I was looking at from that kind of gateway into this paradox of like skills and something that's supposed to be just free flowing and authentic mm-hmm. that looking at, what kinds of men are these guys trying to become? Like what kind of cultural values of masculinity are they really trying to embody? And what does it mean for, for men, for gender, for sex, all these things were, were interesting to me. And that's kind of what led me through the. So like, I know, I mean, you interviewed me, I'm not sure how much you used me, but like, I guess you were you profiling different kinds of people that you just mentioned. Um, yeah, so anthropologists, we do the, our research works really through in-field ethnography, meaning that mm-hmm. we go to the sites where guys do this, these activities. We hang out, you know, we watch, we, we interact with guys. Obviously, we're chatting. We, we may or may not engage in the practice itself, um, depending. And really, yeah, it's talking to people. It's very humanistic as a social science. Mm-hmm. So I met coaches and I and I tried to gather a spectrum of guys that I thought represented different kinds of orientations mm-hmm. in, in the industry um, and then from there it was like snowball sampling and collecting a lot of data through interviews like you know field notes that I take after I go to places and then inductive reasoning so transcribing and collecting that data and then going through it to organize out certain themes and topics and find the meanings in the in the narr- in the in the data itself, rather than 
coming at it with a preconceived idea. Gotcha. Um, so what were some of the things you concluded? So, man, that's a question I get a lot. And I uh-huh. always struggle to answer it in a way, which is stupid. But um, so on the one hand, there's a sense that obviously we're saying men are looking for what it, what it means to be a man today. And mm-hmm. I think they've been asking themselves those questions for a long time. It's nothing really new. Um, but there are a whole set of new challenges that guys face that everyone faces really. I mean, think of the me too movement, think of all these recent allegations of misbehavior or whatnot. So I find that on the one hand, and I'm painting in broad strokes. So Mm -hmm. I find that on the one hand, seduction skills are giving guys a way to be powerful, express power, which can be a bad thing, but doesn't have to be a bad thing but they're doing it in strategic ways, in ways that aren't really readily um, identifiable as more traditional kinds of male power, right? Because male power is a problem. It's something that is kind of unpopular. Like no one can say that, oh, like, (laughs) you know, it's on the media and the mainstream discourse, uh, male power is, is just is unacceptable, but it's common, right? Like on a social level, I mean, you think of, Donald Trump, people are like, oh, well, he's this terrible guy who grabs women by the pussy or whatever he says, but, you know, he's the president. So it's like this stuff holds traction. So, um, yeah. So in essence, that seduction is a way of men having and expressing power in ways that are uh, more socially acceptable or they can be more socially acceptable or that are at least more attuned to things like self-help, right, to mainstream narratives that say that everyone should have access to self-empowerment, right? This is this classic American ideal of, like, making your self-made man or you're a self-made person. You pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. And all of those discourses which happen in self-help, for instance, really come into seduction and make it something more, you know, acceptable in the 21st century for guys saying, who are we and we need to you know, remake our identity in some ways. It's not necessarily the answer to that question, but it's a symptom of guys who are asking themselves that question. Yeah, it's the thing, I, for me, I mean, you mentioned this, uh, the self-help aspect, but for me, uh, pickup and seduction skills is my entry point into self-help and spirituality, to be fair. Like, I was super depressed in high school. Part of that was social anxiety and being lonely. And my first self-help book was uh, how to be cocky, funny with women thing. And that got me into spirituality and philosophy and all this, my whole career, I think came from me being lonely in high school. And now, you know, I I agree with all the things about, you know, like I just said, pickup does create some damaging things, but it's also such a, I mean, just the idea to a young guy that, Hey, you can actually learn how to not suck with women is such a like godsend. Totally. And it's, no, it's a real issue in that our culture has back to the shame issue that mm-hmm. guys grew up with so much is also the fact that I think our culture largely tells men that, well, this is changing now maybe, but before that is that you can't be, um, you can't not be in control of yourself. Like you can't not be, you can't be vulnerable or you can't be, um, I mean, it's the old like thing about like sexual performance or anxiety or all these issues that men Mm -hmm. 
really are not supposed to be, or at least are not supposed to show that there are. So there's this thing of the poker face, you know, you know, or being stoic or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, to your point, I mean, yeah. And so far as pick up these guys that it's okay and there's not a problem and that they can learn how to meet people better and that, you know, the shame is really nothing to get wrapped up in or to let yourself be burdened with for the rest of your life and affect your life. Um, then it's a good thing. And mm-hmm. in your case, you took it as a pathway into a much broader journey of self-discovery, which is really interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to hear more about uh, what you said about male power because, um, and granted you probably have a better, I'm sure you have a better view on the population. Like my, my reality is filtered. Like I talk to guys who have issues and I'm in like a tantric world where a lot of guys are really in touch with their feminine side to put it in general. But um, the, the complaints I get most from men who reach out to me and women is um, for men, it's like, I don't know how to sexually escalate because I'm afraid of a me too violation or something. You know, I, I, just, I don't, I don't know how to move forward. And this is a guy who's already a nice guy. He's already timid and like the idea that he might harm someone by accident totally cripples him. That's the number one question I get. How do I escalate sexually? Um, And and I hear from women a lot. Like I am so partner or the guys. I You're breaking up a little bit. Oh, sorry. I'm just saying continuing. Um, Yeah. The women, the complaint I get from, I hear from women a lot. And obviously these are women in sex workshops. So it's a specific sample. But the, the complaint I hear a lot is, oh, men won't take charge with me. And like, mm. how come everyone I date is such like a, a boy is what I hear a lot. Like, where are all the men? And again, this is not the population of women. This is particularly sexually frustrated women. But it's the same thing of like, a lot of people want that male power back. Uh, they want a man who's strong, but obviously is not a violator, but still has that strength that I think is getting tossed away now. Well, they want strength in a context of consent. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's yeah, I just, yeah. That a lot of guys don't get or that women don't get or like, or that women don't feel that they're allowed to have <laughs> by, when, by guys who don't get it. But yeah. Yeah, I just think it's a, it's a I mean, again, my sample size is, my sample is skewed, but um, it's a lot of, culturally, I think we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And like, I don't think it's male power that's bad. It's men don't knowing, not knowing how to use it or lack of empathy it's not like disarming men doesn't create morality, I feel. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, like power and whether it's good or bad is such a complicated question because it operates at so many social levels. I mean, mm-hmm. because some people, we could look at power in a, in a relationship, like power between a man and a woman who are dating, um, which is one thing, that's one level, but then you you can look at other ways in which um, people are, are abused in other contexts that they work in, whether it's their job. So people learn power from all these different social influences, their parents, their boss, and they all operate in overlapping ways. Um, so, so that's just to say that to generalize about it is about power is tough. Yeah. Um, one question I have is like you mentioned women in the tantric workshops, are they complaining about men not having power in the relationship with the guy they're dating or just in general as to like, why won't guys approach me kind of question? I think it's both. I think less the approach and like guys have been on dates with, or I mean, it's really sad when you see a married couple come to a workshop and the woman's like, 
my husband's a pussy or something like that. Like I've heard that before. I mean, obviously this is a particularly, um, this relationship's already in a bad place, but like you hear things like that a lot in these workshops. I mean, I think it's tough because those two problems are like reflect very much our, our norms for dating and that the guy is mm -hmm. supposed to be the one who's asking the woman out according to our scripts of how dating works or hooking up works. And the woman is the quote unquote gatekeeper of sex. Um, so on the one hand, the guy is suffering in the sense that he is nervous about approaching because he feels all this pressure, <laughs> you yeah. know, which makes sense. And the woman is feeling like her dating life sucks because she's the guardian of sex. Yeah. A crazy amount of pressure for anyone to feel. Um, so there's that weird kind of dynamic that's not helping anyone out. Yeah. 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 One thing that really helps, I, I know, you know, like I spent some time in a feminist environment after my yeah. pickup period. And cool. one thing that really like helped me is understanding that when, a, when women are empowered, they can hunt just as often as actually makes it way more fulfilling for men. Like you just give women power and then they can come meet you. But I will say that I do think there is something to the more traditional role, especially in the bedroom, because I, I mean, a lot of the, the women who are complaining about their husbands, their husbands are great. Like they're great providers, partners, friends, fathers, but in the bedroom, like they can't turn on their woman because they're acting just like their woman, right? Like I think on the physical animal level, you do need that like there is something to what in the past we perceived as a traditional gender role. There's something to like, there is something to masculinity. I don't, I don't know what language to use without like, putting into a weird generalization, but like there is something to that. And I think that, a lot of men are missing that. I, yeah, that's really interesting. And one concept from Ohm, and you, you're the expert in that, but the, the container, right? Mm -hmm. This idea of a space, like a safe space or a ritual space or an exercise or whatever it is where two people are acting together to explore or to have fun or to be kinky or whatever it is, but it's in the container. Yeah. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm riffing off what I've heard. Um, and so, yeah, I think as long as it's consenting inside that container, I agree that that polarity, that sexual polarity is something that a lot of people get off on. Maybe more, you know, more than maybe the majority get off on some level yeah. of sexual polarity. And it's, it's desire, right? So it's, you know, as they say, I mean, attraction isn't a choice, that famous David D'Angelo line. I mean, mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't, I mean, we can't, we can't really change what we want. And right. so for, for guys to learn to be more, you know, um, to embody that old masculinity more in, in sexual intimacy is potentially a, a thing for guys to really work on and to practice. I feel like on another level too, though, that's a challenge for our culture because this notion, this fairy tale society tells us that, you know, love and sexual desire work together, right? Like they kind of don't though. They kind of work, you know, if you desire is literally something you don't have. I mean, you, you can't, you know, I mean, <laughs> ideally you could desire what you have. That's why we say gratitude is important for happiness, but yeah. I mean, literally you desire yeah. what you and if you have someone who's an amazing companion, be it a man or a woman, I mean, it makes sense that the, the testosterone or whatever the guy 
is maybe dialing down, like it sounds like in your coaching mm-hmm. scenarios, the guy is dialing down that, that testosterone because he's comfortable and it's just right, not something. not to hunt anymore. Yeah. 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 I yeah. mean, in that, in that sense of like meeting women and uh, flirting and the chase, which a lot of guys like to chase. So, I mean, it's an issue and I don't know what the solution is. I mean, I think a lot of people are experimenting with polyamory and so that's become a bigger and bigger thing. I mean, I feel like you know more about that than I do from on a personal level. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I've been in open relationships most of my life, most of my adult life, I should say. Um, I don't think it works in the long term. So it depends on whether or not uh, you want a long-term relationship, <laughs> but yeah. you brought up testosterone. I just read this book, the virility paradox. Have you heard of it? No, no. Okay. It's, it's basically, you know, an oncologist did this long study on testosterone and how it affects relationships and personality. It's really interesting. Um, but one of his conclusions, which I didn't really like, but he drew this uh, conclusion was that testosterone is bad for relationships because the sex will be great, but the, in both partners, if a high testosterone woman and high testosterone men get together, they're almost certainly doomed because they might have hot sex, but they'll fight. Um, um, actually, one of the number one indicators of divorce is a high testosterone woman. Like it's, really? uh, because, yeah, it just goes against stability, essentially. Which, which is kind of a bummer because, I, I mean, well, it's confusing, right? Because you want to – there's a lot of positives to testosterone. That's why the book's called The Paradox. But, yeah, it is interesting. Or I don't know. I haven't read the book. It sounds interesting. But another possibility, and it, and it might be that the partners equilibrate on some level, either behavioral or hormonal, whether the guy reacts to a woman who takes more authority – and that's a perfectly fine thing. I mean, on the level of gender politics, maybe the guy just becomes a little softer, but then maybe she becomes dissatisfied sexually. So I don't know what the answer is to that one, but I would imagine that it's chemically complex. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, one thing else I remember is like when a man just has a baby, like a, the father of a newborn child, his testosterone drops some crazy amount and his oxytocin raises, which makes sense, right? He shouldn't be out hunting or trying to get laid if he's taking care of a child. But then there's also negative effects to a drop in testosterone for a man. Well, they say that the period after a newborn is, is born is the toughest time for couples, I think, usually hmm. to go for all kinds of reasons, I'm sure, in addition to hormonal changes. But, you know, having a third member of the, of the third wheel <laughs> rather than just the two of you. So, yeah, man. <laughs> It's, it's hard work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so did this, uh, did like family stuff come up? Cause I know you're, I mean, obviously after seduction comes relationships, but was there any things you drew in terms of guys finding love in yeah. their quest for sex? You know, it's, I mean, the cliche and the easiest answer is that as you've pointed out too, is like pickup itself is, it's not geared towards a relationship. I mean, it's geared towards how to meet someone. And I think meeting someone and having a relationship are different skills. Not that they don't overlap. I think they do overlap because learning to be playful and flirty is a skill that, I mean, every relationship benefits from in terms of people being relaxed and having fun and keeping an even keel. But yeah, I think, you know, Neil Strauss wrote that basically all the things that I'm paraphrasing, but basically all the things that pick up, teaches and requires a guy to, to do are just somewhat damaging <laughs> to the kind of trust 
that women really look for when they're choosing a partner, right? So, so at least on that level, they're not really a great fit. Um, are you still there? Yeah, I just cut out. Oh, okay, cool. I, you're, no stress. Yeah, so, but, but I mean, in terms of what I found, I wouldn't say there's any causal relationship between pickup and not finding someone to love. I think what it does is pickup changes guys' desires. Like it changes what guys want because it changes who they are um, in little ways and in big ways, right? I mean, they gain more confidence, they become more relaxed or not, or they become more stressed out, right? It can affect guys in all these ways, um, but it changes them and it changes how they interact and, and sometimes what they look for in a partner. So I think a lot of guys, and maybe it's true of your story, take this on as a gateway to a broader process of self-exploration and self-transformation and looking out for all kinds of ways that what they were told they should have in terms of sex or whatever is relationships they don't actually need to have, right? Like that the old rules, the old playbook just doesn't really exist anymore for better or worse. <laughs> and uh, that can be beneficial for a lot of guys. So, so yeah, I mean, whether, whether some of these guys get into like polyamory or whether they just end up hooking up a lot more, but a lot of them get bored as you would imagine. They're like, Oh wow, I'm sick of this. I really, you know, I want to find someone to, to meet and settle down with not always the easiest thing because I think if you do pick up a lot, um, if you practice it, it's addictive <laughs> because it messes with your, you know, your, your pleasure, uh, your sense of your hormonal sense of chemical rewards, you know, um, in your brain. And so that can be a problem for guys to, to get rid of the habit. Um, so there are all kinds of ways it can play out. And all of that goes through the spin cycle of our culture, which is, you know, me too movement and things like that. So you throw that into the mix. There are all kinds of answers, like how, in terms of your question was how guys or what kind of relationships guys end up in. Yeah. 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 Well, I was just thinking, cause like, you know, it's a bit cliche, but I just turned 30. I'm like, you know what? My twenties were fun, but I don't think I want to date a new woman every year. Keep sleeping around. Like it's, it's already become less fulfilling. Um, yeah. But that's what I know better. <laughs> right. And I kind of feel like I have this paradox of choice. I was just telling a good buddy who I, I entered this, this work or field with, like, I'm just telling him, I feel like I have a paradox of choice thing where I, I want to settle down with someone, but I feel like I have many options, which is what I strove for my whole life. And now it's hard for me to pick an option. Um, whereas, you know, when I was 19, I would have, I would have married anyone who liked me in a sense, because I was for better or for worse desperate. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I think feminism has done a lot of amazing things. And one of us has is, is, is taught us that, you know, um, love, we, we don't, you know, we don't need to sacrifice ourselves to be in a relationship, but rather that sex can be a way for us to explore ourselves and empower ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, that came from women's liberation. And I think guys are learning that now. Um, but um, just lost my train of thought. Um, but yeah, you're, you're, the paradox of choice is a real thing. I mean, yeah, that makes, that makes sense because in the old times you would marry someone, either you would be set up with a partner through your parents, or you would uh, marry someone on your block or in your building and choice wasn't even an issue because no one even thought that sex was a way to explore yourself. 
And so we have that benefit of that knowledge now, but it's also a mixed blessing because, as you say, we have this paradox where too much choice is unhelpful. We're like, well, what, how do I choose anything now for sure? Because I know all of the things that are out there that could be different experiences, which yeah. I'll never know if I settle down. <laughs> so it's that right. paradox. Right. I'm sure you came across that too, like the guys who kind of, I, my, my fear was becoming a guy who's 40 and he's still just chasing the bright, shiny object the rest of his life. And that seems depressing. <laughs> so I'm sure yeah. you, you came across that in these pickup communities. Totally. Totally. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think um, that's almost just as misogynistic as the worst pickup artist in a way, because mm-hmm. the guy can't le- leave the woman alone. Right. He's just like, move on, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a growth process that hopefully mm-hmm. takes place. Where can people find out? Or, I mean, are you, it sounds like you might publish this as a book or is there a place where people can yeah. read more about your stuff? I'm going to pitch it for publishers to get it, hopefully get it published as a book. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, I mean, <clears throat> I would say that they could Google me. I have a website, but that's interdisciplinary work. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you Google me, Anders Wallace, that's where you'll find more of my public facing blogs, Mm -hmm. articles on all kinds of stuff. I've written for a few different publications. Um, Yeah, that would be the best way. And and they should feel free to email me if they want. I mean, my emails, I'm sure it's on the internet. Yeah. They can find. Cool. Uh, But yeah, back to your, just one other thing I'll say is Mm -hmm. just on a personal level. Yeah, man. I mean, I appreciate um, meeting you and having our inter- our conversations and our adventures together during the during the research phase, <laughs> and you are in my dissertation. Cool. I was I was just um, that's that's oh, the nice. wall. Cool. Uh, chapter four. Yeah, I'm in chapter and four. I quote you <laughs> from our conversation. Nice. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, I think that was the first time we really sat down and talked, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were talking about intuition and feeling in essence mm-hmm. baselining yourself in rapport to find out where someone else is at and how they're feeling as far as you know can i move forward or should i move forward and how to calibrate in that way so just an old footnote from memory lane i thought i'd put that out there just on a yeah, personal level yeah i'd love to read it i don't remember what i said so yeah no of course of course yeah, yeah. yeah it's cool 